0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning. morning. Welcome everyone here. My name is Rick Thompson. I want to welcome those who are joining us online, family and friends online. The name of that video was called Operation End of the World. Operation End of the World. And if you notice, the date on that was 2012. Because many people thought that 2012 was going to be the end of the world based on some Mayan prophecy or the calendar ending. In fact, there was even books that were written on the subject. 2012, it says, is this the end? Well, little did they know it wasn't 2012, it was 2020, based on what's going on. Doesn't it feel that way just a little bit? Does it feel like something has shifted in the atmosphere drastically? And so, but if you're really interested in eschatology, people are asking me about that now, considering the events that are affecting us, it's not just localized, it's it's worldwide, right? It's affecting everybody. On the planet, all right But if you're interested, take a look at Matthew chapter 24. Okay, when you get a chance, read the book of Revelation. Read Daniel, all, all of Daniel, but specifically uh, chapter 12, and that will give you an idea of, uh, of, of, of some some timelines. Well, just like the title of the book and the video, we're in the middle of a series that we've entitled "Games People Play," and um, and We've been looking at the different games that, that many of us have played when we were younger and to see how they correlate with today's, and if they correlate with today's real life events. And so many of them have so far. And today, just like the title of that video, the, the game that we picked is called the game Operation. How many have played that game before? A lot of people played it, right? A lot of people have played Operation. It's a Milton Bradley game of physical skill that tests players hand-eye coordination. It consists of an operating table with a comic likeness of a patient nicknamed Cavity Sam. Cavity Sam with a large red light bulb on his nose. And the idea was to take some tweezers and to, uh, and to do an operation. And if the tweezers hit the metal side, it would, it would buzz and the nose would buzz. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Some fun facts about the game. Its prototype was invented in 1964 by a fellow by the name of John Spinello. A, Uni- a, a University of Illinois industrial design student at the time who sold his rights to the game to the renowned designer Marvin Glass for a sum of, drum roll please, $500. $500 and the promise that he would get a job after he graduated, which they never did give him. That, then it was, uh, it was produced by in, initially Milton Bradley, an, an, an operation is currently made by Hasbro. And the estimated franchise today is worth h- how much, you think? $40 million. He sold his rights for five, and they have made $40 million. Wow. Well, again, the object of the game is to remove a body part without touching the tweezers to the metal sides that surround the object for removal. If you touch any metal sides, you make the, the uh, buzz, you make the nose light up, and the buzzer sound, and it will startle you. And whoever performs the most successful, what they call surgeries, surgeries has the most money at the end. And whoever has the most money at the end wins the game. Now, they have some humorously named ailments uh, uh, with the white plastics. Here, here are a few of them. Uh, keep that up there for a minute. It says there's the Adam's apple. Where does that go? Right? Right? In the throat? Well, today, you might, you might not know where that goes. You have the Charlie horse. Uh, obviously for you know, the cramp that you have in your leg, there's the spare ribs, there's the funny bone. Why do, you call it, why, why do they call it the funny bone? After the bone named after the humorous, right? Anyone ever hit their funny bone? It's not funny. It's not funny at all. I don't even know what they're talking about. They've got butterflies in the stomach, uh, uh, which represents a large butterfly. And the name comes from that feeling in the stomach when you get nervous or afraid. There's the bread basket that is slang for the stomach itself. Uh, It's supposed to be a difficult piece to get. It's a slice of bread. There's the wishbone. There's the water on the knee. There's a writer's cramp. (laughs) There's a wrenched ankle. It was represented by a wrench. In October 2004, there was a new piece added to the original game. It was called Brain Freeze, and it's represented by an ice cream cone. I think today's National Ice Cream Day, by the way. So go go out and when you get a chance, go go get some ice cream. Yeah. And so, uh, 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 and and keep that up there just for a moment. But what's right there in the center? The heart, and and it's called the broken heart, and it's a heart shape with a crack through it on the right side of the chest. Now, in this game of operation and this conversation today, I want to focus on the heart. I want to focus on that item that gets broken. Well, let me ask you this question. How many have ever had a broken heart? Come on. Most of us have, right? Most of us have to deal with that. Had our heart broken over something someone said or done Even today, I mean, that's even happening more. There are people who've been friends for years, years and years and years. And because of the climate of today, what's happening? Friendships are going going away, even in families. And and I was talking to someone just yesterday. She made a comment about the protesting, and and she called it, um, it's uh, not not the protesting, but the rioting and the the burning. And she made a comment saying it was toddler-like behavior. Someone got super offended who worked with her and then came back and said, now I don't feel safe going to work with you. What? Friends for years and got her to lose her job. That's the climate we're living in. That's the climate we're living in. And so when she called, her heart's broken because she she went on this apology tour and I said, are you a racist? Absolutely not then stop apologizing for it, <laughs> okay? But that's the climate we're, we're, we're living in. Now, you may have dealt with a betrayal or rejection or loss or separation, or it could even be a personal failure. But whatever the cause, I mean, when I say personal, maybe may something that you've done, that there was expectation of you, and you just blew it. You blew it with your wife, you blew it with your husband, you blew it with a friend or your family and your heart's breaking over this. But whatever the cause, it's a pain that seems to rock the very core of who we are. It goes deep down into our soul, so much so that we feel like, when we're in the middle of it, we, you may feel like that your, your world is coming to an end. Now think about that for a moment. I want you to hold on to that thought, that feeling. Because, because when you're in the middle of that happening, what do you wish to happen? You want, uh, above everything else, you want that pain to go away. I mean, if there were some kind of magic tweezers out there that, or, or somebody with some steady hands who can come along and give you some good advice or, 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 and remove the pain that you're dealing with, you would go for that. Because what we want, we want healing. We want to be, we don't want to be walking around with a broken heart. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about that thing that we call an operation. And, and it's not Operation End of the World, because honestly, I don't think the world is ending. Although I do think we're in the end times. But Operation Restoration. Operation Healing. And it deals specifically with the broken heart issue of a personal failure and how is the body of Christ we're supposed to respond when people fail or fall into sin or, or when we find ourselves in that situation. It's a sensitive subject because, and one that I deal with a lot as a pastor because when it's not dealt with right, oh man, just go out, go out and hand out the spiritual body bags because there's, there's been a botched operation. There, there, there is a, a, a failure in the part of the church to reach out to those who, are, who have fallen. Now, turn to someone and say, let's do this right. Come on, somebody. Say, let's do this right. Let's do it right. Let's decide that in the, in the midst of, uh, of a failure, we're not hitting the delete button on, on, on people. Or we're not just unfriending them, let's decide to, 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 instead of driving people further away from the Lord, that in those opportunities, it might be an opportunity for us to point people closer to him. Amen? Our text this morning comes out of Galatians chapter 6. It's a book written by the apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and it deals with a number of important issues, including the ones that we're going to be discussing today. I want you to pay close attention to what he says, particularly in the first five Verses. We're going to read 10, but particularly in the first five verses. This is what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ If you think you're too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Hello. Verse 4. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you will need to compare yourself. You, You won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we eat for we are each responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature, listen, will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live, help me out somebody, help me, to please the spirit. We'll harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Can we all establish it matters how we live? Come on, right? So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Now, again, we read all 10 verses, but it's really only the first five I'm going to be focusing on this morning. But before we go any further, you need to understand. In the New King James Version, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, it says it this way. It says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, And so, when the Bible uses the word man, it it means mankind. It means men and women alike or human beings. That's why the New Living calls it any believer because it's everyday people just like you and me who have the same desires, the same passions, the same urges, the temptations, and the same propensity to fail. We all can fail. We all can fail. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 13a, it says, No temptation has overtaken us except that which is, help me someone, common to man, right? Common to mankind. Again, that means common to, to, to everybody. And Galatians refers, and, 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 when, and this scripture, this is written to Galatians, which was the church in Galatia. Okay? So this scripture, this book is written to Christians. Christians, to Christians who have given into temptation and have fallen into a sinful pattern and have fallen out of fellowship, maybe with some other believers, and maybe their relationship with the Lord has been broken or disrupted. And Paul is giving them instructions as to how to restore a person. Now, again, we may have been been there in the past, or we may be there right now, but the question is, what should, our church, what should our attitude be as a church, as a people when these issues come our way? Should, should we ignore people when they, fall, when they fall into sin? Should we become overly critical? Should we stop associating with them? Should we spread rumors about them, about what's been done? Or do we kind of just write them off? What do we do? Well, again, this is what the Bible says we should do. So as not to make things worse, so as not to botch the operation. Number one, look at verse, verse one again. In the New King James Version, it says it this way, If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are, help me somebody, spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. And so the first thing you want to be when you, come, when you come to the operating table of somebody else's spiritual walk or life, you need to be spiritual. Write that down. Spiritual. Be spiritual. And the New Living calls it godly. And we talked about this last week. It's basically just mature in the things of the Lord. To be spiritual and godly has nothing to do with chronological age. There are people who've been in the church forever and ever, and so now the, the older chronologically, but they're still spiritually very young in their in their approach to things, and so they think because they're the older of, uh, in the group now that somehow they become deputized to constantly be bringing correction and criticism for someone like myself who I love young people, I love to be about around youth, and a lot of times they would come into the church and, and we'd throw out a net together men, but we'd have these older spiritual people that were in the church who became overly critical of what they were saying, what they were doing, what they were wearing. And I would ask them, please, please don't say anything to my kids. Don't say anything to them. Because you've got to catch them before you can clean them up. Come on, somebody. Amen? And so the truth is they were neither spiritual or they were neither godly in their approach. They were religious. And there's a big difference, or, or even pharisaical, in their approach to, to, to bringing correction. My pastor used to say there were people who, who walk around, and this is their mantra, I don't, I don't dance, I don't chew, and I don't go around with boys who do. In other words, listen, I, I've got my set of rules and regulations, and if anybody breaks that, they are now other. They are not, no, not, not part of who we are. And they come with their modern day religious list of do's and don'ts. And and when the newbies show up, uh, fresh out of the world, and and they act like the world, they want them off quickly before we can get them in. And they seem to forget the process that we spoke of last week. First, you're an infant, and then you're a toddler, and then you're a child, and then you're a teenager, and then you're an adult. But even as an adult, how many know you can still fail? You can still fail. And so, but, but none of this happens on day one when someone first comes in or be, first gets born again or first comes to Christ. And so we have to be patient with the process like Jesus was patient with us. Amen? When, when toddlers are first learning to walk, they'll stumble, they'll fall, and nobody calls them idiots or dummies or you, you know, what's wrong with you? Why? Because, because we know it's part of the learning process. And in the same way, no one needs a religious Joe is what I call them, or a religious Jane, uh, saying, well, you ain't reading enough, you ain't praying enough, you ain't tithing enough, you ain't doing enough, beating them up after they stumble and they fall. The game of operation, in that game, there's two sets of cards. And the two sets of cards look like this. One says doctor, and the other says specialist. Now, the doctor cards are picked as the game progresses and you attempt to to remove the item with a tweezer. And if you're successful, you get the points. But if you're not, the buzzer goes off. You've touched the wall. You've botched the operation. And whoever is holding the specialist card can now make the attempt with the promise of double points if they get it right. Listen to me this morning. Listen to me, those who are listening online. When you're dealing with spiritual brokenness, and there's a lot of it in this world today. Offenses are being taken left and right. God wants you to be a specialist in your attitude. He wants the specialist to deal with those who are spiritual and led by the, God's Holy Spirit and walking close to the Lord. Taking the accused from him. And this is what the Bible says about Jesus, our great physician. John chapter 3 verse 17 for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Amen. Saved. And he demonstrated this in his walk as he dealt with the brokenness of humanity, calling everyone to repentance and true faith in him. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners... Christ died. In other words, while we were still enemies, while we, while we didn't have our act together, he didn't wait for us to come to church and, 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 and change our clothing and change our speech. He, 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 while we were still screwing up, Christ died for us. He doesn't wait for us to clean up our act. In fact, he condemned no one really. He warned the religious harshly that the very things that they trusted in, trusted in, self-righteous works, those self-righteous works, we're gonna condemn them in the end. The Bible says there's none righteous, not even one. And for them to put their trust in their own self-righteousness was a mistake. Let those who are spiritually minded, the Bible says, handle the broken and the fallen. That makes sense, but unfortunately, too often, it doesn't happen. The kind of person that has to approach a fallen or broken brother or sister has to be patient and loving, has to be kind, and they have to let them know that they care about them. And in the process, your life shouldn't be obviously out of order yourself. Remember that finger pointing that way and two, three of them coming back. That's the problem Jesus had with Pharisees of his day. They were, in a word, hypocrites. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 23 verse 1. He said, Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. In other words, these were the people who were in charge and they sat in the seat of Moses and they brought the teachings to the people of Moses and so Jesus out of respect says out of their position, listen to what they are saying but don't do what they do. Why? For they don't practice what they teach. Hello? They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. Church we have to get out of the show. The show. The show that I've checked I've come to church you know once or twice or whatever but the rest of the week doesn't belong to God at all. I've checked the box but God doesn't have my heart have your heart. It's the show. Romans 2:20 Says you think you can instruct the ignorant and teach children the ways of God for you are certain that in God's law you have complete knowledge and truth Well then if you teach others why don't you teach yourselves You tell others not to steal but you steal You say it's wrong to commit adultery but you do it You condemn idolatry but you steal from pagan temples. You are so proud of knowing the Lord, but you dishonor God by breaking it. No wonder the scripture says the world blasphemes the name of God because of you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The world is looking on. and If we are what I call walking contradictions, you're going to have a real hard time appointing anyone to the Lord. Galatians chapter 6 verse 1. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. So the first one is to be spiritual, and the second thing is we need to become, we need to be gentle. Now I like the the way the Apostle Paul lays it out here. He, he kind of goes against the grain from what we normally do. We usually come at somebody who's messed up with hardness and indifference and rejection, a kind of holier-than-thou attitude. And all that does is make the person feel put down, and no wonder people leave the church and they run back to the world for some kind of compassion because in those cases, the world seems to be more compassionate. Now, I know there are times when we need to Be a little forceful with someone to try to straighten them out or to get their attention. Jesus certainly did from time to time. But that shouldn't be all the time. Come on, church. Perhaps it shouldn't even be most of the time. In fact, this is the rule. The rule is, law to the proud and grace to the humble. Write that down somewhere. Give law to the proud and grace to the humble. James 4, 6, and he gives grace generously as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so the religious and the proud Are right in their own eyes, and they're gonna, because they are prideful in their approach to the things of the Lord, they will see opposition, not from other people, they're gonna see opposition from God. And how many of you know, if God is the one you're in the battle with, you are not gonna win? But for those who come with a broken and contrite heart, the Bible says, A broken and contrite heart I will not despise. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. That attracts the Father. And what you will receive is gentleness and care from him. Gentleness means discussing their problems with them and not so much with other people or everyone else. Hello. Preferably one-on-one because they're going to feel less threatened. It says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. That word literally means, I want you to look at it. It means to return something to its original or former condition, to bring back to health or good spirits. For example, to set a broken bone or to mend a net that has a hole in it. So when somebody slips and falls into sin, Something breaks or is torn and it absolutely needs to be reset. And if it's going to grow properly again. And if you try to set a broken bone and you're not careful, how many know you can cause more pain? If you're not careful, you can cause more pain. And that person's already in pain. And so as it relates to the, those who are broken spiritually or broken-hearted spiritually, the Bible says to be spiritual in your approach. Godly or mature. And it says also to be gentle. Let me give you number three be careful. Be careful, brethren. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you are spiritually restored, such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also, help me, someone, be tempted. Now, this is an important point because all of us are tempted in all kinds of things. And what I'm tempted with, you may not have a problem, and what you're tempted with may not be a problem to me at all, but just because it never happened, how many of you don't think it can't happen? Don't think it can't happen. The devil doesn't favor you over someone else. He'll do all he can to destroy your testimony for Jesus Christ the same way he'll do all he can to destroy my testimony for Jesus Christ. And if you're not Strong or you're not mature believer, if you're not making any effort to stay humble and close to the Lord and spend time in His word and prayer. Don't you think that you can't fall into sin? Any one of us can. Any one of us can. First Corinthians 10:12 th- says, "If you think you are standing firm, what's the word? Help me out, someone. Say it. Be careful. Be careful that you don't fall. Number four, be generous. And what do I mean by that? In Galatians 6, 2, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Did you catch that? Bear one another's burdens. If we bear one another's burdens, the Bible says we will fulfill the law of Christ. Did you know that Jesus came and he did give us the law? There are 10 commandments Many of us know what they are, but Jesus gave us an 11th commandment. And you know what those, that 11th commandment is? Here it is love one another. Love one another. He, matter of fact, he says that's the fulfillment of all the law. John 13 34 a new command I give you. A new command I give you. Love one another as I tells us how to love them. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. John fifteen twelve. my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. The apostle Paul was quoting it in Galatians chapter 5. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. And so when God calls us to be generous, he wants us to be generous in our love. The, the Lord Jesus gave himself. he's sacrificed himself to reach out to man. He bore the sins of man for man, and we could never do that, but we can be generous like him by bearing the burdens of each other because we all suffer under a weight of sin, whether the sins are known to others or not. We are called to be generous with our compassion. We are called to be generous in our forgiveness. We are called to be generous in our encouragement, in our Prayer for folks. We are called to be generous to come alongside people who are hurting to bear one another's burdens. Romans 12 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep or mourn with those who mourn. Romans 15 1. We then we then that are strong ought to do what? Help me, someone. It's getting quiet. Getting quiet and help me. Do what? To bear the infirmities of the weak, and not just please ourselves it's never just about me or you the message says it this way those of us who are strong and able in faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just do what is most convenient for us strength is for service not for status now here's my question to you this morning I want you to listen listen real close Who in your life right now needs help, a a word of encouragement, prayer, forgiveness? Who in your life right now needs you to be the hands and the heart of Jesus to them? Are you viewed more like a Pharisee in your rules and regulations or is your heart reflective and your attitude reflective of the one who forgave us for everything? Folks, ministry is all about other people. And it doesn't take that much time to minister, or that much to minister to someone. It, it will take a little time, maybe a little, a listening ear, or an encouraging word, a visit, a phone call, or whatever. But the result can change a life. Isn't that worth it? Amen. Philippians two three. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So number one, we need to be what? Help me someone. Be spiritual. Number two, we need to be? Be gentle. Number three, we need to be? Be careful. Number four, we need to be? Be generous. Let me give you number five. Be informed. Be informed. And let me explain that one. Let's look at verse 3 again. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, (laughs) he deceives himself. In other words, you are missing something. Now, I'm not saying we're nothing. I mean, God didn't create junk. He he created us. The Bible says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He, He has a wonderful plan for every single one of us. But what I'm trying to say here is sometimes we think just because we're faithful in church attendance or tuning in online or reading the Bible 47 times or we've led somebody to Jesus once or twice, that we've got a degree in this or that, that somehow we are now at super saint status. Don't raise your hands. Need I remind you, like last week, what the Bible says, that all of us are sinners, there's none righteous, not even one. And those of us who know Christ as our savior still have that sinful nature that we battle with against the divine nature that now is in us through the Holy Spirit. And sometimes people who fall by the wayside, they've gotten caught up in sin. Sometimes when that happens, they start to feel like nothing Talking to someone this week, and that's exactly what she said, Pastor Rick, I don't feel like my life matters. I spent the next three hours pouring into her the Scripture and the love of Jesus and and telling her why her life matters to God. She said, I was concerned that I might be judged because she would gotten into some things that somebody else might have judged her. So I'm, not, I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to point you to Jesus. Amen? See, because this is what I know. When Christ is fully formed in you, <laughs> the, the Holy Spirit in you will start to convict you of righteousness, of right and wrong. Amen? And so my job is to see that Christ is fully formed in someone's life because the Holy Spirit in them will guide them into right and into wrong. Sometimes people feel like nothing, and sometimes the reason they feel like nothing is because we treat them that way. When we look down on someone thinking we're better than they are, we're no better than the Pharisees who are looking down. on Remember the tax collector in the Bible where Jesus told a story? He walked into a church, and, and he saw a guy who was a tax collector, and he looks up to and the tax collector wouldn't even come to the altar, but this guy boldly strolls up to the altar, and he looks up to heaven. And he said, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other men, including this tax collector. And Jesus said, but the tax collector came, and he wouldn't even lift his head, and he beat his chest, and he asked for God's forgiveness. And Jesus said, that man left more justified before the Lord than the pride for prideful, pharisa- pharisaical uh, 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 Pharisee who boasted his righteousness before him. Listen to me. Proverbs 26 says, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. In other words, most men are self-righteous or self just in their own eyes. But if we're going to reach a brother or sister who has fallen into sin and restore them back, we've got to get less focused off of our, ourselves before we can do it. Amen? And we have to be informed and realize who and what, uh, uh, who and what we are in God and, what, and where God has taken us from and the grace that he's poured out on every single one of us. Folks, in and of ourselves, we are nothing. But in Jesus, we are everything. Amen. Amen. Let me give you number six. Be circumspective. Be circumspective. And again, Galatians 6, 4. But let each one examine his own work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. The New King James says it says this in in, in Ephesians 5.15, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand that the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or falling away, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, so, so to be circumspective in your approach is referring to your behavior more than anything else, what we say and what we do. The reason Apostle Paul included this verse in this text is the simple fact that, 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 we're, that we're to be keeping a close eye on our own lives before we can start to look to try to change someone else's life. Now, when we see a believer that's doing something that they shouldn't be doing, Maybe, yes, we should confront them, but we should be confronting them in an attitude also keeping realizing what's going on in our own life as well. Be circumspectful. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. It doesn't say don't take the plank out your brother's eye. It says first take it out of yours so that you can see clearly. A lot of times, we, that's the problem. We don't see clearly, and, 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 and the, our hypocrisy is screaming. Amen. And do as I say and not as I do is just dumb. And people see through that. Let me give you the seventh and the final one. Be responsible. Be responsible. Galatians 6, 5. For each one shall bear his own load. The message puts it this way: Each of you must take, must, take, must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life your your life matters amen my life matters all lives matter and the bible says each one of us must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life and so verse five is a warning and a reminder every believer has a role to play in and we're going to be held accountable for that role that we're playing or we're not. And in order for us to, to, to do that, we, we have to get our eyes off of other people's failures. And we, start, and, and we have to start to realize that we have failures too. And we're never to take sin lightly. It has to be dealt with. But I'm, just, I'm trying to say that, that this morning that there are brothers and sisters that are out there who are hurting. And many of them want our love. No, they need our love. And they need a way back. But all we need to do is to be a, a specialist in our approach. We need to, to, to be Christ-like in our approach and not pharisaical in our approach. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual should restore a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you be tempted as I prepared this message I mean it just reminded me of the relationship that God had with his son and that Jesus while he walked this earth being a reflection of the heart of the father also dealt with betrayal and even Peter Peter, who said everyone else may fail you Lord but I will never fail you and Jesus said to Peter before the rooster crows you will deny me three times, not me Lord, not me Lord and sure enough while Jesus was going through the the worst time of his life and he was being persecuted Peter stood off in the distance and, and after the third time he denied he even knew Jesus the rooster crowed and I believe their eyes met Jesus in the court being persecuted and Peter, the realization that he had just betrayed his Lord within 24 hours of making a declaration and the Bible says the weight of his sin and brokenness hit him that he went away and wept bitterly he wept bitterly but upon the Lord rising from the dead one of the first things he says he told them he says go tell my disciples and go tell Peter and in the process of him meeting with Peter he let Peter know not of his sin. He was letting Peter know that. Listen, yes, you've, you 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 messed up, but there, I still have a plan and a purpose. Peter, go and feed my sheep. And Peter was considered one of the first leaders of the church. That even in his failures and his rejection of the Lord in his most, you know, dire time in his life, God reached out to him as an example to every single one of us. And he brought him back into fellowship with him. To God be the glory, amen. And so what about you today? What do you you need from the Lord? Perhaps you've been the product of a botched operation in the past and and you're hurting and your heart's been, been broken over the things that were said or the things that were done or even your own personal failures. Listen, listen, here's the solution. Humble your heart And know that the Father wants to restore you just like he did with Peter and for so many others. But understand this, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you because a broken and contrite heart, he will not despise. He will not turn away. The closer you run to him, the closer he runs to you. Amen. So if you're here today and this message struck you either on the point of the restoration that God has called us to be his hands and his feet and his heart towards somebody who's messed up. If you're getting caught up in the let me delete you game and you messed up and this or that, that's not the heart of the Father. I promise you it is not. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And he says, I want you to pour on them the same uh, grace that I poured on you, even even more so now. I, I believe that the greatest harvest is coming in during this darkest time. Because it's during the darkness the light shines the brightest. Amen. And God has called you and me for such a time as now to be his representatives. Don't get caught up in stuff that just don't matter. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay focused on him. And you will be used mightily, not just as a, not, not just as a doctor, but as a specialist to bring restoration to those who are in the body of Christ and those who are actually in the world. God has called you to take your place as a specialist. And if there's someone in your life right now that you know that maybe you've not dealt with them properly, let God minister to your heart. And let him nudge you to do the right thing. But if you're here today or listening also, maybe you're on the other side. You are the one who's you have failed. And you have felt the rejection of, quote-unquote, spiritual people of the church. God is calling you home today. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just, not to beat you over the head, but to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. God wants to restore you. And just like he did with Peter, he has a plan for you. He also has a call in your life. The Bible says, where sin abounds, grace even more abounds. The blood of Jesus has the ability to wash, to wash away all of our sins, our past sins, our present sins, and yes, even our future mess-ups. We all have feet of clay. And the blood of Jesus has the ability to, not just to get us in, in, in the body of Christ, but to keep us there. Amen? Secure in his love. Perfect love casts out all fear and you've heard me say this a dozen times and you are perfectly loved by the Father and Jesus told except for the son of perdition I have lost no one everyone that he, that that God has put in his hand Jesus is fighting for you and we all will make it to the finish line because the victory is in him amen and that eternal life has been promised so do not grow weary in well-doing If you've messed up, this is not an opportunity to go back to the ways of the world. Repent. Ask God's forgiveness. If you've done something to someone, call them up. Make it right. Even if they don't receive it, God sees it. Amen? And allow the process of restoration to begin so that God can not just work in you but work through you. And so as we come to the close of this message, if you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in that prayer. If you you find yourself on the pharisaical side of of your relationship with others, now is a good time to lay that before the altar as well. May I say, want to bow their heads and to close their eyes, and say something like this: "If not yet accepted Christ, it's not hard. Say, Heavenly Father, I humble myself right now before you, and I ask you to forgive me. I've messed up in many ways, and while you've created an altar in your heart." just between you and him, just tell him what ways you've messed up in. Don't be flip about the sin. Tell him, do you who teach not to steal, do you steal? Do you who teach don't commit adultery, are you committing adultery? These are sins. Ask him to forgive you. Lord, forgive me for these things. I thank you for dying, or sending your Son to die on the cross two thousand years ago. That the blood that was shed was shed for me. I believe it and I receive it. And I believe that three days later you rose from the grave. And I thank you, Lord, that because you live, I will live as well. I put my complete, complete faith and trust in you, Father. If I'm holding on to pharisaical thoughts or ideations. Lord, help me to realize you call me to be a specialist and that (laughs) I don't want to keep botching the spiritual operations as you bring people into my life. Father, give me wisdom to be an adequate reflection of your mercy and your grace toward others. And if you're here to today or listening to my voice and you've walked away because of a botched operation today God is calling you home to be restored completely restored completely forgiven don't let someone's mess up keep you from your your best blessing which is a personal relationship with him God is calling you home tell him Lord I'm coming home today I'm coming home today I surrender. In Jesus' name, I pray. And we all said, amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already. And share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.